Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Nitro Gem Podcast covering Nitro number 46 on the 29th of July 1996. Going from Disney MGM Studio. I'm a bit sick of Disney now, to be honest. Can't lie, Brian. Um, Disney MGM Studios in Orlando, Florida. Attendance of 450 people. Again, so this is the fourth week we're over in Disney MGM um, during the daylight and all. But I don't care about that, Brian. What I care about is how you doing and what are you drinking. Uh, I'm sick. <laughs> it just seems like this is a recurring thing with me now on this podcast. Like, I think there's been yeah. about three or four times where I've been full of a fucking cold. And yeah, yeah. unfortunately, it's just we're in that uh, that weird time of the year where it's rainy one day, sunny the next, and the constant change in temperatures and dry and wet weather has really got to me. So I've got a, a really crusty throat and a stuffed up nose. So uh, aside from that, I'm all right. And... Uh, you were telling me the other day that I probably should get onto the Triple H or the uh, American Nightmare uh, uh, mm. drinks. I ain't drinking them just yet because I think, like, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it would knock me out, I, I imagine, anyway, but, like, not today. Not when I'm full of a fucking cold. Uh, I'm no. drinking the one that you gave me the other week, the On This Day India Pale Ale, a tribute to my, well, not my favourite wrestler, but one of my all-time faves, Edge, and obviously a tribute to my favourite band, Alter Bridge. Mm. So... Yeah, I'll crack open that for the Top Rock Test test in a few minutes. So I've just got to ask, how are you? Because I never seem to do that, do I? <laughs> you said that a couple of weeks ago as well. I'm fine. I've had a bit of a fucking, I don't know, a bit of a meh day, but we all have them, ups and downs and all that lot. So we're going to do this uh, episode of Nitro and then... Which has its ups and downs. <laughs> it has its ups and downs indeed, yeah. Um, and obviously, I uh, want to apologise to everybody for, for dropping this one a little over 24 hours late. Um, we've had all sorts on this weekend, and and to be honest, it just we just didn't get round to recording it or finding a decent time to record it. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. But it is late. But we, we hope that you, you don't mind it being a little bit late and still coming in your ear holes via the um the podcast servers all around the world. Uh, so yeah, um, um if you're cracking, you can open. We can we can do a bit of a taster, and then we'll we'll fly into this episode of Nitro and uh. Get it over and done with. <laughs> well, why is it every time I fucking record, I seem to cut my nails the same day and struggle to open the can? <laughs> right, I've got it this time. Not had this one yet, so I'm intrigued to hear what your uh, opinion is. Well, it would be fucking good if the uh, ring pull actually worked because it's only opened it marginally. <laughs> uh, start as you mean to go on, I'm going to have to drink it through a small gap. Uh, can you not just push it in with your thumb? should be alright actually don't knowing you you'll probably injure yourself yeah that's what I was we'll thinking a, a live incident on fucking on the podcast recording I'm trying to use the ring pull to push it open a little bit more uh, there we go it's, it's gone in the ring pull's come off so I might cut my lip on that <laughs> I think you'll be alright I'll turn it around right ow it did pop my lip a little bit <laughs> but that's rather nice that really refreshing I can't really say what the flavours are just yet. I think it's going to need uh, a couple more swigs to to um, do its jo- uh, do its business. But yeah. from what I'm getting from it at the moment, quite nice. Just so uh, I can't... it's crisp. Is the correct term? It's very crisp. Yeah, I can't remember if we talked about this on the last po- podcast episode or not. But they they now put the um, they match it up with matches, don't they, on the side. So what what matches it got on the side? Um. It is Edge versus Alberto Del Cunt, uh, <laughs> as I call him, because he's an absolute prick, from WrestleMania 27. What a good match pairing that is. A really nice beverage. Oh, it's Edge's initial retirement match. 
Yeah. Well, it's not his official retirement match. It's the last match before he retired because he never announced it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, fun fact is uh, his very final, uh, his last defense in his retirement was an elbow drop on a car. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> That's a turn up, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so if you want to see really that, tune, uh, open up WrestleMania 27 from, uh, I think it was from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I think it were the very last WrestleMania in the uh, Georgia Dome. Oh, so this is the one where, um, so Sting uh, said to the Daily Star, I think he had an interview with the Daily Star and said the WWE had reached out to him to have a match with The Undertaker because he hadn't. Uh, renewed his contract with TNA at that point. Yeah, that was that was the same one. Yeah, yeah, that's when I switched off because I remember saying to you a few weeks ago when Kevin Nash and Sting both left, that it, it, that was kind of legitimate because Sting was his, his contract was running down and he wasn't sure whether or not he was renewing. Um, but I think around the same time, Kurt Angle did renew and he said, "I absolutely, you know, I'm indebted to this company and Dixie and what she's done for me." Blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, the idea was that Sting was going to go into the Hall of Fame and he was going to wrestle the Undertaker at WrestleMania in Atlanta, the home of WCW, or what was WCW. So, yeah, yeah, it's weird how, how everything's come around in that sort of uh, conversely manner. <laughs> yeah, it was quite funny because uh, I think it rather that WrestleMania, it might have been that WrestleMania the year after that you're on about. Um, honestly, I think it might be the one after, I think the year after, because uh, Triple X first Undertaker both years, and yeah. uh, it, it it's probably this one. It's probably this mm. one, considering where the story goes. But um, you, there was the, the teaser videos uh, set to uh, Ain't No Grave Can Hold Me Down, and people yeah. thought that was about Sting. And I'm like, I was always adamant. It's like, that's about The Undertaker, is that? Like, that's not about Sting. And obviously, they had Triple H versus Undertaker that year. But what I found funny is when Sting actually renewed his contracts with TNA, they fucking ripped that video off. Yeah, <laughs> they had like uh, little numbers that were like scorpions and all that, and just set to rain. It was quite funny when they did that, to be honest with you. I know, I know, there's that running meme that anything that WWE did at the time, TNA ripped off. You know, Daniel Bryan is one of them. They tried to do the same thing with Eric Young because he's short and had a beard. But uh, yeah, it, it, but that one in particular was just really, really funny. It's just like because it's so fucking blatant. Yeah, yeah. you know, the balls on them to actually do that. You know. Unironically, Imagine. love TNA at that point just because of their their penchant for being shit. Penchant, nice. So, been a, a nice little word for a Sunday evening. Oh, I've got another uh, word coming up soon then. <laughs> so, excellent. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Daniel Bryan, who we cannot call Daniel Bryan anymore because apparently his contract's expired. So we can now call him Brian Danielson again. Um, is this a work or is this real or is this? I don't know. What are your opinions? I'm really not sure. Um, because he has been quite outspoken about what he wants to do post WWE, like uh, he he does want to become a part time wrestler because he's got two kids, he's got a wife. He's he's just getting to that point now where he's had his his uh, day in the sun that he wanted. You know, yeah. he, he came back from retirement. He had that title run. He had a title match at WrestleMania where he actually got to defend it. You know, he were he were an incredible heel at the time, but he managed to do that. He put over Kofi Kingston. You know, he, he felt like. He'd, he'd done something, you know, significant. And then he had another title match at WrestleMania this year. Um, obviously, that didn't pan out for him. But, you know, it, I mean, he had a really fucking good run there. It were only, what, three years? But he had a really good run there. And, yeah, he's pretty much done everything that he needs to do, I feel. Um, I'm not so sure if it actually is a shooter or work. Because uh, WWE have done this before where, 
or some of these contracts has ran out, or they've left left the brand, uh, and they've removed uh, moved them to the alumni section, which is what yeah. they've done here, and then they just turn up on the opposite show, or they turn up on NXT or something like that. Um, right. But Daniel Bryan, being outspoken as he is, says he wants to go to the some kind of anniversary show. That's uh, uh, one of the Mexico, Mexican promotions. It's not AAA, it's CMLL. Yeah. Uh, he, wants to, he wants to do that. He wants to wrestle in Ring of Honor one more time. He wants to do this, wants to do that. So it, it could be uh, one or the other, to be honest with you. I personally would love to see him have one last run on the Indies, but at the same time, I'd like to see him have a run in uh, NXT. Because yeah. uh, it came up through NXT, although it wasn't what it is today. It was that <laughs> that shitty reality show uh, that they that they did. Uh, um, Nexus? No, not Nexus. Yeah, Nexus came from that. Oh, right, yeah, they okay. came from season one. Yeah, uh, right. Daniel Bryan had his first match on NXT, but I'd like to see him go down in its current form, where there's a lot of these stories like Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. I don't know if they were around when he was still in Ring of Honor. But they were—if they weren't around—they were certainly the the next generation of Ring of Honor talent, and it it just would be nice to see him wrestle those type of people and just yeah. you know put put on clinics because I reckon he could have a five star match with Kyle O'Reilly like, easily. He could have a five five star match with Kyle O'Reilly because Kyle O'Reilly's got a very similar style to him as well, and fucking Kyle O'Reilly's one of the top wrestlers in the world right now. And I and I know some people will, will sneer at that and go, well, what about Kenny Omega? He's the best, or all that, you know. I'm just like, Kyle O'Reilly could fucking wrestle Kenny Omega and put on a 10-star classic, you know? I mean, and he could do most of the fucking work. That, just saying, Kyle O'Reilly is that fucking good. And if you want to talk about dream match, it's Daniel Bryan versus Kyle O'Reilly. They would they put on a fucking clinic. So I, I, I'm, I want to see that, but... You're hopeful. I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I'm also respectful of uh, of uh, Brian's wishes. Not not me, yeah. uh, Brian Danielson. If he if yeah. he wants to be Brian Danielson one more time and have that one last run on the Indies, you know what? Go for it, mate. I'm pretty sure there's wrestlers out there that you could put on great matches with, and have that you know that final run where you started. If if you if you have that final run in XT, which is also rumored, I'm all for that as well. Hmm. You know, hmm. as long as he's happy, that's that's the main thing. I think he's earned it and he's got the respect of well more or less everybody in the business hasn't he so yeah for, for somebody to turn around and say well no you can't do that actually would be very surprising yeah be very surprised if even if he did still have a wwe contract that he wasn't allowed to go down to roh for one night only and you know wrestle or whatever it, 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 i think he's uh, he, sh- he should be given the keys to the city in that regard yeah um I, I just the only thing i hope is that it doesn't turn into a dull cigar type fucking situation where you just sign a contract because you know you're going to get a fucking foot ton of money and you're clearly not happy doing what you do because that yeah. that's been dull cigar for the last three or four years now uh even to this day like you can see like it, it's playing off pretty well into his heel character but you can fucking mm. tell he's not enjoying himself at the same time you know he's yeah, not. He's, he's sparkle he, missing. Yeah, yeah, he's not happy. He he he, know, he knows that this could be his last run. It's a. I think his last contract was a, a one million dollar downside. That's how much Vince McMahon wants to keep him. Like that, okay, no. you know, he's making that that little bit of money. You know, to to live off basically. But yeah, the spark's gone. He's not yeah. happy. He's not happy. You know, and and that's a fucking shame because again, the top talent that. If he wanted to go wrestle elsewhere, he could do it. If he wants to focus on his uh, on his comedy career, he can go do that. Whatever makes him happy. Well, yeah. What he's doing now ain't that. No, and that's it's clear as day. Isn't it? I've said that for for a, a good couple of years at least that Ziggler 
could be, you know, that that breakout stock like Christian Cage was when he moved to TNA. Yeah, he could just walk into another company and be the fucking top dog. Um, but sadly, he just seems. And I, I really hope that he doesn't look back on his career and think, "Well, shit, I should have fucking moved. I should have done this. I should have done that." You want to have a career like like you were talking about Daniel Bryan. Then you want to have a career whereby you know, even if you do go back through ROH, CMLL, and everything like that, and repay the favors of everybody that sort of fucking elevated you up to the sort of money that you're making in the WWE now at least then you can sit back on fucking total bellas or whatever the fuck it is on fucking E uh, you can sit back and, and just sort of go well you know what I'm happy with my career but it doesn't seem like Ziggler's going to do that No, he that... might just sit back and say I've got shitloads of money but fuck me I could have done a little bit more in my wrestling career Come yeah on. and I think at the time when he actually signed that contract um, I don't think he really was interested in going into Impact at the time because Impact was at an all time fucking war right then you know, going to Impact and winning their title, you may as well just stay in WWE and win the fucking women. Uh, you know, not women's champion. The wi- <laughs> I uh, was thinking that as well. No, I, w- I was thinking the women's tag team championship. But then I thought, well, they were <laughs> they didn't exist at the time. But yeah, you know, yeah. but like they're, they're, that 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 division is treated like a fucking joke. So you may know, as well it, bring it, back the WCW Television Championship. It's the lowest fucking... title. Like, sorry guys, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to get heat for this, but the women's tag team titles are the lowest belts in WWE in terms of importance and you know and the tag titles the men's tag titles are just above them you know uh the, the difference is that there's two fucking divisions there which you know uh which kind of like center around the same fucking philosophy or oh, put these two jabronis together because we have nothing uh, nothing uh nothing for them while splitting up fucking uh tag teams actual tag teams or having actual tag teams not do anything uh mm. you know for the sake of just two fucking people we have nothing for to give them a tag team run it's, it's what they do with the with the tag team uh, the women's tag team belts but it's definitely it seems more like a comedy division at this point even the 24-7 title is like slightly above it because at least even though it, it's stupid it's because it's fucking supposed to be and it has had its really funny moments you know and it's not treated like it's important at the same time whereas the women's title oh, they, they t- tell you that it's important but it's not the women's tag yeah. titles, it's not it's not important. And you, you see that every single fucking week on Raw and SmackDown, that it's not important. So, you know, at the time, Dolph Ziggler couldn't fucking fight for that, obviously. And for, for obvious reasons why he still couldn't fucking fight for it, even though Eric Young did that in in, uh, in Impact. Um, but, you know, I mean, he may as well have just stayed in WWE and fucking gone for the US title or something like that, you know, because that were above the Impact title at the time. Um, I, I don't think if he went to New Japan, he would have been tra- with any kind of importance. He probably would have been like junior heavyweight type wrestler, you know. Even though he's probably a a, a weight, you know, I'd say he's a, uh, about twenty thirty pounds above it at, at the very least. But that's pretty much where he would be, and I don't think he would have wanted that. He would have, he would have wanted to have been one of the top draws for New Japan, and that weren't going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. If AEW was around at the time, I think that's he, he wouldn't have signed. He would have just gone because he would have got a job in AEW, hundred percent. Yeah, of course he would. Yeah. You know, so I think that's pretty much where we're at now with Dolph Ziggler. He'll run down that yeah. contract, and he might get that final run in AEW, or he might just fucking retire and go and do his comedy career. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah. I, I have the same fears what you're on about. You know, fear that he might just look back on his career and think. Okay, yeah, at the time I wanted to leave, there weren't many opportunities. But then I spent three years there, four years there, fucking not happy. Wasting away. Yeah, wasting away. I may, may be regularly featured, but I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. Mm. You know? 
I don't I don't think at this moment in time if they turn around and say, right, we're turning your face and you're going to have a title picture, you know, you're going to be in the title picture with Roman Reigns with the goal at, at SummerSlam, you are going to go over and have that title reign. I don't think he'd be happy with that. And the reason why I don't think he'd be happy with that is because it's running the same fucking water, running on the same water with him. He wins the title, soon loses it. Yeah, yeah. He's done that twice. People forget the first time because they don't count it as an official reign because he, he lost it after like 20 seconds. Right. Like he held it. We were like a. Uh, I can't remember what type of match it were, but he held it for like twenty seconds and then lost it to Edge. Bloody hell! Yeah, and then he had <laughs> he had the uh, cash in uh, on Raw to win the title of Alberto Del Cunt, as I call him, <laughs> and then lost it soon soon after because he got concussed. Right. You know, I don't think he has faith in WWE to give him that push. If you know what I mean? Even when they yeah, say, yeah. "Yeah, we're going to give you that push," I don't think that. Dudley's heart is really in that and I don't think his heart's in it either. Yeah. And that's really fucking sad because top wrestler. Great talent. You know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Just looked up how old he is and he's forty years old, Christian. If you if you want to compare the two, Christian Cage is forty seven. So you know the clock is ticking, isn't it? Yeah. He could still have that run though. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean forty's just not not old in wrestling. No, it's not. It? Whereas once upon a time, it was it was deemed like, oh my god, like with WCW nineteen ninety six. If you were forty years old, fuck me, you you are just padding your pension. But you're not. <laughs> you, you're really not. How old's AJ? AJ is over forty now, isn't it? He? Yeah, he's like forty four now. Yeah, so it's a, it's a bit bizarre. I do remember. I do recall who it's somebody said something like that. It might have been Jericho back in the day saying they were all fucking geriatrics and all that fucking sort of stuff. You know, <laughs> Chris, 50. Chris Geriatric. <laughs> Chris Geriatric, yeah. I don't, it just triggered in my head then, just like Jericho Geriatric, <laughs> just because they fucking rhyme. But yeah, he's, he was saying the sort, same sort of thing, wasn't he? And, and and now he's sort of like still in the fucking limelight of uh, of wrestling as a whole, and AEW in particular, especially considering the match that he had uh, last um, last week, yeah, fifty years old. Yeah, no wonder yeah. they fucking had him fall on what were it like pieces of cardboard with <laughs> with a metal prints on it. Yeah, yeah. And, fucking hell. You know, people were defending that to fuck, and I'm like, yeah, no one's actually expecting him to fall on actual fucking steel, guys. No one's expecting yeah. that. Do you people think that when you when you get hit with the steel stirs now, it's actually steel? It, it's <laughs> it's not, guys. It's not. But the the thing is with that, it actually looks legitimate. The whole point of wrestling is to make an art form, which is, here's that word again, fake, you know, to make it look fucking legitimate, to pull the wall, not to pull the wall of people's eyes, but, you know, to allow them to invest in the product. When something like that happens, you know, like you did in Blood and Guts, where you just fall, fall and you can see that it's cushioned, and then at the end of it, you can see Jericho fucking smiling. Like, that mm. ruins that illusion. And a camera cut, a different camera cut, would have changed that. Yeah, you know, yeah. no one fucking really wanted him to go and actually put his back out. At fifty years old, they probably it would probably paralyze him. Yeah, it probably would. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, or maybe maybe of... his back fat might cushion the fall regardless. So. <laughs> Body shaming Brian. Wow. Um, I I, I speaking... love Jericho. I, I love him as a performer. You know, and uh, I do, I just find it funny like how he gets so sensitive about his body and all that because uh, I, I I don't want to seem like that guy or like that, but it's like. You know, he goes on about, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm nearly 50, you know, of course I've got this weight and all that, but then he's sucking it, he's sucking in wind in his pictures to say, look, I'm still in shape, and I'm like, you're not though, we see you on TV every week, you're not in shape, it's fine yeah. to not be in shape, dude, you know, we understand, yeah. just don't make a big deal about like, oh yeah, you're 50 and I'm not in shape and all that, and then go and 
fake having abs in pictures by well, by like breathing said, in heavily. Pulling the wool over people's eyes to make things look legitimate. Maybe that's what Jericho's doing. With yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair play to you. It's fucking kayfabe. In kayfabe, you've got fucking abs <laughs> like Edgar's. Oh dear. Bless well, s- s- speaking of uh, pulling the wool over people's eyes, making things look legitimate. Today we're covering an episode of yes, trying uh, of WCW Nitro that got has has gone down in infamy for multiple reasons. But there is a major segment during this episode which completely changes the dynamic of the episode and you know what adds credence to the whole idea that eric bischoff has at this moment in time with the new world order of course uh we'll get to that when we get to it it's not far away and once again it's one of those where my notepad in my phone has only taken one page today so that says a lot about this nitro once again but when we started this nitro brian and where tony and larry ran down the card you were kind of thinking, "Whoa, okay, I'm, 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 I'm in. I'm all in for this fucking episode of WCW Nitro." Yeah, because I we're go on. we're gonna see, uh, we're gonna see the giant put his title up against Dorian Anderson, which is all right, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're, we're told we're gonna see the American males face off against the Steiners, which yeah, fucking give me some of that. Yeah, fuck yeah. But we're gonna have the cruiserweight title on the line. The current champion, Rey Mysterio Jr., putting it up against Eddie Guerrero. Um, yes, we were like absolutely. Yeah, and I like normally what I do go is I'll go to cagematch.net. Uh, no plug; they don't they don't sponsor us. Sadly, um, I go there because it's easy for me to copy and paste the results and then put in my opinions on the match or the rundown for the match after the result of the match. And where I thought I clicked the wrong day <laughs> because. <laughs> Everything changes. <laughs> yeah, I liken yeah. this to uh, like I, I had all the enthusiasm of the Trojans receiving a gift horse from the Greeks. It looks nice on the outside and all that, the open inside. It's like, oh shit, you know, like fucking <laughs> all the Greeks are coming out to kill us. It's like obviously I'm not I'm not thinking like Nitro's gonna fucking kill me or all that, you know, and all that malarkey. But the fucking anger that I had throughout this episode, like for different reasons, with. The, the joy of what happens at the same time, the roller coaster emotions that I went through. I mean, it was like fucking watching season five of Breaking Bad again, all over again, <laughs> but all in, encompassing in a fucking one and a, one and a half hours show. I could have had a fucking heart attack with all the stress that I was in at this point. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was just fucking honestly. I mean, we'll get into it, but this show pissed yeah. me off. <laughs> Right, well, let's let's try and fucking get to the points that piss Brian off because I need to hear him now. Uh, we see some footage as well from Cincinnati where the outsiders are spying on Lex and Sting, ambushing Sting as he's loading the car up uh, while Lex has been pulled away for a phone call or something of, of that effect. Um, they actually slam the boot down on uh, Sting's head. So, yeah, take it from that what you will. Um, yeah, we're a cool attack. Cool attack. If, if an attack can be cool. <laughs> well, the way, the way the way that it works is that they they actually rang Lex to pull him away. That, well, right. that that's the vibe that I got from it. That they rang yeah, Lex yeah. to to you know to distract him, and he walked off because obviously if you're on television, you get a phone call. It's like I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just go go a minute. Like no, not like these days where you get a fucking phone call. You sat across each other, for, you know, at a table having having a beer or having a meal. You get a yeah. phone call and you're on the phone like hello. <laughs> Like, yeah, it, nothing's that fucking private, but apparently in TV it is. So he fucks off because mm-hmm. he got this phone call from the NWO, um, and uh, the outsiders take advantage of that and attack what initially I thought was a fucking Disney MGM tourist because it, 
Sting is wearing a plaid shirt and khaki shorts with white trainers here. <laughs> it kind of ruins his mystique a little bit, to be honest with you. But yeah, I had to think twice until the until the commentary team said he, he they attacked Sting, and I'm like, oh, that's Sting, is it? Yeah, you know, he's not looking. You, you were just he's not looking as colourful as he usually is. Yeah, you were hoping for kayfabe to be still, still like literally. He just gets up first thing of the morning, his makeup's already on his face. Sort of thing. <laughs> I, I, oh, that music video that he's in. I went about kayfabe where it was just a fan. It were a fan that he's attacked. Like you know, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, after that, we we see uh, what's going to be a five star classic: uh, Mike Enos versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Fuck uh, off. Tony does a <laughs> Tony does a rundown uh, of the sh- uh, Sherry. Colonel Robert Parker, Dick Slater, Dick Slater, sorry, um, love triangle from Saturday night. So this is this has been brewing for a couple of weeks, but I mean nobody cares about the storyline of this, so it's not really one of the. It's, and just to add context, I think Mike Enos is actually is it he's he's in this fucking. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know because we've not seen Saturday night, so they tried to update us on it, but we don't really know why they were talking about it in a Mike Enos versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. We don't really care either. No, that's it. Um, <laughs> Some of the match happened. I didn't note down what it was. <laughs> Larry Zabisco speaks for us all when he says, oh, not Hacksaw, as he enters. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, I said the same thing. I, said, I, I just said, uh, Larry and I are on the same level here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also says later on that he's like a, a dinosaur. He's a big body, no brain, too big, too strong, and too dumb. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Enos with some decent offence in this one for a change but Hacksaw spends a lot of it just not selling and just punching away constantly on Enos hot dogging around on. yeah uh, sleepers and uh, front chancery slow it down while a top rope splash uh, attempt gives Hacksaw the favour as Jimmy Jet grabs the arm of Hacksaw as he's raining fists in in the corner allowing Enos in but Jet does the same for Enos allowing Hacksaw to pull the roll of tape off the end of his mighty penis roll it onto the fist and whack Enos in the penis. No, he didn't whack Enos in the penis. He whacks him in the temple. Zabisco correctly calls it an illegal object and says it's not on. Uh, he's absolutely right. Winner in this one, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, via pinfall, well, via foreign object, in 7 minutes and 30 seconds. Again. Um, Again, can, same no, shit, can I, different Can I just day. ask, why is the tape this an illegal object? Because it's just fucking tape. There's wrestlers in the, t- in the show that were fucking tape on their fists. This, ha- this is wrestling. Yeah. Like, I don't understand this. Like, and how does it hurt even more than a normal fucking fist? I don't. No, apparently it does because it condenses the entire fist. Well, it, it okay, c- closes that, that... it up to be more like rock solid. Well, that makes sense. But again, it's like the way he fucking tapes his fist up. There's no way he's fucking condensing that those fucking fat fingers of his fist at all. No, like, not just, at all. No. At, at that point, it's just, it just looks like a pack of wall sausages. Like, it, it's not going <laughs> to fucking hurt anybody. First and foremost, the second, as I've said, this is. You know, since the dawn of fucking time, wrestlers have worn tape on their face. Like, it's nothing fucking new. It's illegal object, my fucking ass. This is just 80s wrestling trying to be edgy in 1996. And it never worked then. It still doesn't work now. And fuck Hacksaw Jim Duggan because this is really pissing me off now. <laughs> Every well, fucking match, he does the same thing. He's apparently a face and he's doing illegal shit like this. I, hmm. my, you know what? Throughout this match... I was distracted, surprise, surprise. I was distracted. <laughs> there was a guy in the front row, uh, obviously, it, it Disney MGM. They don't have the barricades at the front, right? Like that, so you can actually see, yeah. you know, everybody, you know, in the front row. And there's this guy in an orange cap with a, a light blue shirt and denim shorts, and he's watching this with absolute fucking disgust on his face. And that was me, <laughs> literally, me. Sans, 
Sans Canadian tuxedo and orange cap. <laughs> I didn't see that guy, but I'll have to go back and have a look. Yeah, he, he just... It, it, it was like fucking... Uh, we drove uh, 500 miles for this. You know, fucking... Uh, uh, Harry Hill from fucking King of the Hill and The Simpsons. That's, he has that energy here. Wow. Well, Hacksaw Jim Dickfingers talks about Hogan. <laughs> Uh, he says, I just had beer in my just, mouth and it's just come out of my nostrils. <laughs> After you said that they look like fucking balls sausages, it's just that's all I could think. Dick fingers. Uh, he says that he used to have Hogan round to his house and you know that, that he's 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 you know picked up his daughter and, and blah blah blah. They've done charity king things together. Uh, he says Hulk is a great technical wrestler. Did you subtitles? G- yep, great in this state. For technical, it's clearly audible. We know what he said. He said technical, and yeah, the guy's just like, it nah. But the thing is, though, it doesn't come up wrestler either. It, Does it not? It just says great <laughs> indistinct. It, the caption guy's like, you know, that's not right. He's just like, right, Mark and Brian are going to be doing a podcast, so I'm going to put random fucking indistincts in here. He's a listener to the fucking podcast, yeah. I'm telling you. And he goes back into that office, and he just puts random ones in random places just for our fucking amusement. For the first time ever that I, I am going to say this, Give that catching guy a fucking raise. <laughs> I don't think uh, there, was, yeah. there was not many things that popped me so hard like that did. Like I, I, oh, no. I watched that back several times just like, is that what it really fucking said? And every single time I just fucking laughed. Yeah, because it's not like, it's not even like Axel's turned his head away. He's like full facing the camera. It's his full face is on the TV. It's crystal it's clear what he yes, says. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's like, I mean, he's not he's not putting on that fucking weird voice that he does either. He's actually talking clearly. He's talking like a human being. Yeah, you know, it's is. like it's like Jimmy Hart when he's talking about Hulk Hogan. He's like, oh, that goddamn Hulk Hogan. You know, he's just on the NWO. He's putting our back on all on us and all the children and all. You know, he actually talks fucking seriously like that. And yeah. Jim Duggan does that, and that might be the best Jimmy Hart impression I've ever done. I was ever. thinking but, that. But, I was uh, thinking that. You know, even even to the point stumbling over his words, which he does a lot. So I did that like. <laughs> and that's a fucking shoot from me. But yeah, it's uh yeah, it was actually I know fucking hell, I'm, maybe that drink has gone to my head, but I think this was a decent promo from Jim Duggan. It was. Considering what Jim Duggan is capable of, this was this was up there as one of his finest. But it it gets uh marks down for calling Hulk Hogan a great technical wrestler though. Oh yeah. I oh, mean absolutely that, clear, clearly had a fucking you know, you smoked a Scooby Dooby Doo before you came on the fucking uh, came on to the, uh, came into the ring and that. You know, the reason why he's calling him a technical wrestler is because he says he doesn't want to wrestle him, but he does want to beat him up, and that is basically the end of the promo. A fairly decent promo, much better than his his match was. Did uh, you his hear this uh, online from Gene to close it off? He, he said he did say something. I've, I haven't written down. Yeah, he says you take a bad apple and put it in a basket of bad apples, and well, enough said. Right, well, that analogy is, is that an analogy? Because, like, that makes no fucking sense. No, nah, it's completely fucked that up. You know, I, I'm just like, talk about her again, Gene, please, because <laughs> that was ridiculous. Like, he, he tries an analogy that makes no fucking sense, and then it says, you know the rest. Well, I fucking don't. No. What were you trying to say? on that, Gene. We can have a full night on that. Come on. Are you trying to say, like, if you put a rotten apple in a basket of rotten apple, apples, they all get rotten? Well, no, they don't, because they're all already fucking rotten. If you put a yeah. no apple, you know, a fresh apple in a basket of rotten apples, there's your analogy. Yeah. You don't know your fucking analogies, Gene. Nah, he completely fucked it up, didn't he? Go back to fucking school. <laughs> Next up, we're going to see a six-man tag team match of Lex Luger, Randy Savage, and Sting. That's right, Sting's okay. 
versus the four horsemen who consist of Chris Benoit, Rick Fleur and Steve Mongo McMichael with Deborah McMichael, Miss Elizabeth and Woman in tow. Uh, there's not much messing about here, to be honest, from Macho especially. He just jumps in the ring, jumps out the ring and attacks Fleur during the entrance. Uh, while the horsemen quickly come to Fleur's aid, once we get back into the ring, Fleur has gotten away, uh, uh, but into uh, the fists... Uh, 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 uh. Oh? Right, backstage. Right, backstage stuff here. I did say I was going to call this match. Backstage stuff? Yeah, Wait, you what? know, backstage and uh, Nitro Gem podcast. Oh, I see. I, right. I messaged you saying, I'm going to fucking call right. this match because I had to yeah, 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 down, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I understand. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, I've, only, I've only written down to a certain point and then I'm going to give it you. Oh, because it just sounded like you were calling the match to me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Once the bell rings... That was it, it was yours. But you can call, you can call this if you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go enough. for it. Right. Go on. Well, the first thought that I had was, uh, shouldn't this be the main event? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Savage looks like a mint chocolate. You know those mint yes. chocolate sweets? He looked fucking delicious. Yeah. I said this almost every single fucking week now. It's like... Macho looks delicious. Apart from last week, because he looked like uh, the, the opening sequence of Stayed by the Bell. But yeah, he looked yeah. fucking delicious. <laughs> And Sting's not wearing black. Yeah. I mean, what the hell is that about? That was his uh, common trait over the last few months. He wore black. No, he's in sky blue and orange. Uh, mm. Next season's Man City kit, though, guys. Uh, but yeah, I, but as Mark said, uh, I don't think that's actual kit. I'm just assuming because he just like to add re- random colors to uh, City's kit these days. Fucking what were it last season? Sky blue and purple. Yeah, something really bizarre. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I won't be. Surprised. And then I think the goalkeeper kit was purple and like lime green. Yeah. Ooh, Ugh. purple and lime green though. Like, that's a delicious combination. That does actually sound like. <laughs> oh, blackberry, uh, blackcurrants and limes. You know, you can't fucking go wrong with that. You know, you 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 got a, you got a fruit salad starting there, mate. That's not too far wrong, that actually. <laughs> I should tell you about a beer that I bought. Actually, it's a. Uh, I'll text you about it actually. Because it, otherwise, we've got to go down stage. Or I'll Google it actually while you're uh, while you're calling this match. Mm. Anyway, as Mike said, uh, it starts with a massive uh, massive brawl as Savage attacks Flair outside. Everyone gets involved. Tony thinks Flair is the fourth man in the NWO, which I just I just thought, sure, Tony. Uh, match officially starts with Benoit and Sting. Sting gets the better of Benoit with arm drags and clothes lines in a brief skirmish. I, I have to keep putting the word skirmish because it, it turns Mark on now. He says how much he loves that word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't turn him on but he likes the word but Floyd tags in and he's dumped outside immediately Savage and Floyd brawl on the VIP VIP table Larry with the line there goes the fruit cup is a weird one put that on a t-shirt guys <laughs> Savage and Floyd get it on inside the ring and it's standard but effective stuff from the two as you'd expect Floyd legs it and tries to hide behind the bleachers which is quite funny because he's behind <laughs> a cage that, uh, that nests it and he's like shh to the camera <laughs> Savage wins this awful game of hide and seek immediately and they are back in the ring within moments Luger, uh, Luger and Mongo tag in and uh, just do stuff there's literally nothing going on here it's like Mongo's in the ring for all of 20 seconds and he's trying like a headlock and it just doesn't work Luger just dumps him off and he tags straight back out you know it's just not great what they do it's not even worth noting if I'm honest with you for a tag- is this the bit where the rope thing happens rope thing yeah, I, I I missed it. I'm, I'm I was just watching Mongo to try wrestle. Did I not? I, I, did I not text you about it? I don't. I've just seen Mongo go through the rope. Um, no, I don't think it was that moment. I think it was after. Was it after? Yeah, that? I think I know what you're on about. Yeah, no, because uh, Mongo don't go through the rope. He just tags out immediately. 
Right, okay. Uh, Floyd tags in, and Luger gets the better of him immediately with a gorilla press slam and a suplex for a two count. Floyd begs off, as he usually does, and tags in Benoit, like, literally after 30 seconds. There's so many quick tags here. Benoit goes right on the attack on Luger in the corner. Uh, I've really fucking fucked my words up here because it says corner sign and ferocious kicks. I'm just, I'm, I'm just assuming he's, like, in the corner using ferocious kicks. Basically that. Savage runs in and attacks Benoit, who tags Floyd in. Luger quickly tags in Sting, who hits a beautiful drop kick and then superplex from the heavens, as Tony calls it. Mm. A pinfall is broken from Benoit and Luger now goes on the attack of him. There's intensity and a big fight feel that we don't get often on Natural Hero, which is why I said that this is this should have been the main event. It really should be. Sting hits a sunset flip from the outside, but can't break, uh, get Flair down, who tags Mongo. Mongo doesn't do too bad here, actually, with a backbreaker on Sting, but tags Benoit in quickly. And I think it's there where, uh, uh, thereafter, because I haven't got it noted down, I think it was shortly after that where Mongo gets dumped out of the ring. And it just doesn't, right. it doesn't look nice, but yeah. I, no, it... I, I just realised here that I haven't got that written down. Yeah. Uh, Benoit hits a big back body drop for two, then tags in four. The exchange chops and four horns. Uh, I've lost myself again. Uh, oh, there's some beautiful chain wrestling on the mat here, as Floyd does an arm drag takedown on Sting, who instinctively wraps his legs around Floyd's neck to get out of headlock. Floyd scrambles out and back into the headlock position, but Sting arches his back and onto his feet into a backslide, but Ben Rob breaks it up. It's like cruiserweight stuff here. It's like really, yeah. really good chain wrestling. Yeah. There's a figure four by Floyd, and Sting reverses it, but Floyd gets to the ropes. Another figure four attempt, but Sting reverses it into a small package for two. Benoit tags in, and Sting takes, uh, takes him down with a snap suplex for, for two. Oh, sorry, he takes Sting down for two. A fucking lion tamer by Benoit again. This is, seems to be a recurring thing with him. Like, you know, pe- people credit Chris Jericho for that, but Benoit's doing it here. And we haven't yeah, seen yeah. Jericho yet. I don't know if he's doing this in Japan or whatnot, but, you know, Benoit's got it down here. And I, I-, I will say, he does it a hell of a lot better than Jericho ever did because, obviously, J- uh, Benoit has that ferocity in his face, like, that intensity yeah. and just that alone and the way it arches the back, it does look fucking painful. I think that's a shoot sometimes, like, really, really good. Uh, but Luger breaks it as Larry calls Nick Patrick a terrible referee, which, <laughs> you know what, Larry, he's the fucking first commentator here tonight. <laughs> you know? but And that stance is only strengthened by Tony calling Patrick a consistently good referee, as all referees in WCWR, like... <laughs> Clearly, he had a he had a, he had a he had a smoke with Hacksaw before he came on air tonight. You know, <laughs> we're, we're fucking lines like that. <laughs> Floyd tags back in and tries to chop and punch him down. Who is resilient? An alarmed Jimmy Hart distracts a cameraman who tries to avoid him. He's like it's like uh, the cameraman goes. Uh, Jimmy Hart goes up. The cameraman goes down. Jimmy Hart goes down. The camera goes to the side. It's, it's really fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, you're not supposed to be here. Go away, go away. Yeah, it, it makes me feel a little bit dizzy, to be honest with you. It, I thought <laughs> Kevin Dunn was fucking producer at this point. Jimmy requests a camera, cameraman to go backstage because the outsiders are there. Back in the ring as Luger hits, calls, uh, hits a close line as Jimmy tries to get all the competitors to stop and get to the back. The, the match ends in a double count out here, which is an absolute shame because what uh, you know what we actually saw was a really decent match. Yeah, you yeah, know, it wasn't too bad. I'm not going to complain too much that the result wasn't what it should have been, you know, because what comes up after this is, you know, it, it's fucking classic. If you don't know what it is, you know, it's a classic natural moment. It's one of the all-time wrestling moments, in my opinion. 
I'm pretty yeah. sure it's held in that regard as well. You yeah. know, so the double count out, it, it doesn't matter here. We had a really fucking good match, and honestly, one of the better tag matches between th- this variation of part of, of people, like even just yeah. normal standard tag matches between Rick Flair and Arn Anderson and Sting Luger, just don't have this. Really mm. don't. It was a really fucking good match. Yeah, they kind of stepped it up a little bit in this one, which is bizarre when you look at you know Lex, who's not the best wrestler in the world, and Steve Mongo McMichael, who's still you know learning the learning the ropes, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> But they did, yeah. They, they put on a, a fairly decent match. Yeah, uh, it, it felt I fresh. Considering yeah. we've seen ver- different variations of this, it it, mm. did, it did, it did, it did seem fresh. Right, <laughs> like really good match. I enjoyed it. So the double count out comes at thirteen minutes and twenty three seconds, which shows you how much uh, much time this was given from the bell to the bell. Um, and during that match, actually, it was noted that there is a bounty on the head of Chris Benoit, which has been issued by the Dungeon of Doom and has obviously been undertaken by. Dean Malenko, who has been interfering in uh, Benoit's business over the past week or so. No Malenko uh, here. Yeah. If um, this was the match to attack Benoit, you know, if there was any match, it's this match. You know, six-man tag, he's going to be distracted, more distracted than what he would be in a singles match, because he's going to keep his eyes on what's going on and trying to get in and uh, break up pinfalls and submissions like he did. You know, good time to go and attack uh, Malenko. Where were you? Well, I, guess, I suppose it depends on, like... Maybe if if you open your mind to it, oh well, maybe Malenko did intend to, but they all ended up fucking off anyway, didn't they? So he didn't get his chance to. No, maybe it's, you know, but you're waiting thirty minutes to do it, dude. You're not earning that bounty. Yeah, true. He did it. Um, Bischoff did say on eighty three weeks this this past week as well that he absolutely hated everything to do with the Dungeon of Doom, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he was the one signing off on it. So <laughs> he was just like, yeah, hated it. It was all Kevin Sullivan. Absolutely fucking hated it. Um, but then, yeah, they made a joke out of basically anything good that was on WCW Nitro, Bischoff takes credit for it, but everything that was bad is Kevin Sullivan's. No worries. All right. So the reason why they are um, running out of the ring is is that the NWO are attacking people in the backstage area. And as you said, this is one of the most infamous moments in, in 90s wrestling, probably in all of wrestling that we've oh, ever yeah. seen. Um, post-match, obviously, it's Kevin Nash and Scott Hall that's what you can see you can see with baseball bats you can see um i think marcus bagwell's already on the floor he's been attacked scotty riggs is like oh what the fuck is going on he gets like bashed by a keg or something like that scott all picks up ray mysterio comes out of the cabin tries to fly off the banister of the rail where the steps are into kevin nash kevin nash just picks him up with ease and throws him and the old saying is like a lawn dart that's just Infamous, absolutely infamous, right into the side of this, uh, into the side of this trailer. Um, as it goes one on, one thing Ray, that what? one thing that doesn't get uh, said enough is how well Ray sold that because oh, it actually, yeah. he would, it looked like he legit went boom into the fucking trailer head first. Yeah, but if you watch closely, he does put his hands in front of his face mm. to protect it, like, and the way he fucking does that, really, to say he's pretty much, I won't say he's an amateur at this point, you know, he's still new to the business, he's not green, I won't call him green, no, no. but again, he's, he's not new to wrestling, so he knows how to, to do certain things, but this is above and beyond his station, like, this kind of thing, being thrown into a fucking trailer, like, you don't, you don't teach that in wrestling school, guys, no, no. and the way he actually does that, it's like pitch perfect timing, he puts his hands in front of his face to protect it, yeah. and you you have to slow it down to see that, 
very, very, very good instincts. Obviously, he's very uh, horizontal as well because he's obviously yeah. picked up on Nash's shoulders, and Nash is easily seven foot here. So if he's picking him up a little bit to make sure that he goes completely over his shoulder, you're looking at about eight foot in the air as well. And what Ray has to do from that point onwards is once he hits the uh, the trailer, he has to sort of tuck himself in so that he is going to fall back and not hurt himself. Yeah. Because anything could have happened at that height. Like, if he'd have just carried on sort of being horizontal, like, he could have broken his hands, he could have fucking broken his jaw, could have... I don't know, because he, he, you're not falling onto a... You're not falling into a wrestling ring here. You fall, you're falling onto just concrete. So you, there's all kinds of things that could have gone wrong here. But when you watch Ray do it, from from hitting the um, from hitting the trailer to hitting the floor, essentially everything is just quite smooth. And you think, well, fucking fair play, fair fucks to you, because you had to think about everything in that like split second to make sure you weren't injured. Yeah, um, and I think that goes a long way into this being the classic moment that it is. Mm, yeah, because people don't remember anything else apart from you know from this scene itself. Like uh, you know, um, I don't I don't remember because I've I've seen this before and I knew it was happening on this episode in advance because for some reason I thought it was on the, the post Bass at the Beach uh, episode it weren't it was fucking a few weeks down the line <laughs> uh, I, I actually found out by searching it up that it wasn't you know it was this episode yeah um, but again I've, I've seen this anyway I knew this happened but like you don't remember anything else but that one bite moment yeah, that's the bit in it yeah you know it, it is the bit and, it, and it's largely because the way Ray does it. I mean, you say what you say what you will about Nash the way he threw him, but like if if Ray hadn't sold it the way he did, mm. if he hadn't acted on instinct, this wouldn't be remembered like it is. You would have remembered you. It would have been remembered for somebody getting seriously fucking hurt. Yeah, he had he had he had to have his timing absolutely fucking perfect here. Mm. Absolutely. You know, if you want a five-star performance from Rema Studio, I mean, you can check out most of his cruiserweight matches, but fucking look at this segment. <laughs> that's true. As a side note as well, anybody that's on the WWE Network or the Peacock or whatever, this, that, and the other, the WWE best of Rey Mysterio, uh, fuck off. Seriously? No WCW matches? Is that fucking legitimate? Like, come on now. Like, really? Like, you can't pick any WCW matches to be in the best of Rey Mysterio fucking thing. Like, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, Halloween Havoc 1997, is true. often touted as the best match of all time. It's true. like it's up there. Some people say it is the best wrestling match of all time. And you don't include that? Yeah. Really? I haven't even seen that, and I'm like, really? Yeah, that's, you don't include that? That's what I've heard. Somebody, uh, I think it might have been WCW Worldwide, retweeted it. Just, It just astounds me. Astounds yeah, me. Yeah, just... Trying to own the history of Rey Mysterio. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Well, spoiler, spoiler, guys. He was in two, not one, but two North American promotions. You know, well, American promotions, because obviously he wrestled in Mexico, but, yeah. you know, two American promotions before he went to WWE. And he didn't initially want to go to fucking WWE. So, uh, yeah, just can you just, like, you know, stop being fucking petty? <laughs> Because I tell you something, if he, if he hadn't been in WCW, he'd just been in ECW before he went to WWE, or they'd be all over that. Yeah, you know? probably would. That's the issue I have with the WWE when it comes to this sort of stuff, though. Like, you own, you own the footage. Make some yeah. fucking money out of it. It's yours. Exactly. Fuck me. Why, why keep it under wraps and make people have to research, you know, an independent fucking list of Rey Mysterio's best matches, or Eddie Guerrero's best matches, for that matter, uh, and then they have to go and source it out, like you said, on on a pay per view in 1997. Fast forward through the entire thing. Just, 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 just do the legwork. It's not hard. And Here, people here's will watch the thing. it. Here's the thing: you won. 
You won guys. Yeah. WCW is long fucking dead. It's been dead for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And you're still this hung up on it. WCW made you a better product. Not you. WCW did. Because if it weren't for WCW, you would still be fucking having plumbers and fucking golf. <laughs> Fucking golfers, which you, you fucking did in 2005 with Buddy Shabba Guerrero. You'd have those type of characters on TV. Not what we, we ended up with. WCW fucking did that to you. They gave you a kick up the ass, And you're fucking... You're still, 20 years on, shying away from that. Like, I don't understand it. You won, guys. You yeah. won. What is this ne- constant need to put WCW down like that? You don't, you don't buy the videotape library just to fucking put it away in a fucking vault, do you? I mean... No. Just... No, I, I, you just you make you got to make money out of it. Just it, it baffles me. Exactly. As, as a side note, have you heard about the um, oh, what what the fuck were he called now? The evil Shawn Michaels idea. Now I don't think this was. What? I don't think it's a real thing. I think it might be something that somebody sort of fucking just maybe if internet wrestling community did exist back in fucking 96, <laughs> 97 or whatever. Oh, I can imagine. He's uh, obviously you know um, you know when the rock is split. Yeah. Mario Gennetti went and formed the New Rockers yeah. with Leif Cassidy, which turned out to be um, Al Snow. Yeah. Well, all I can imagine is this evil, evil, <laughs> evil Shawn Michaels is actually Al Snow who had aligned with fake Diesel and fake <laughs> Razor. <laughs> right, no, so, no, it's, um, the rumour was that uh, Brian Pillman, when he'd had his accident, was having plastic surgery to look like Shawn Michaels so that he could come back into the WWE. <laughs> as the evil Shawn Michaels, and they were going to have Shawn Michaels versus Shawn Michaels for the WWF title. Wow. I know. I don't know. I can't remember where that started. I don't... It's They they talk about it a a tiny bit in that Pillman uh, Dark Side of the Ring, but um, I'd never heard it before, and they don't mention where it came from. They might even just talk to Meltzer about it very briefly. See, here's the thing, is that I've heard plastic surgery coming into <laughs> coming into wrestlers characters twice now and with both people i legitimately believe it could have happened if they you know if they signed it off yeah they would have fucking done it brian pillman and Shawn michaels he would have fucking done that he was crazy enough to do it and goldust getting breast implants because <laughs> apparently dustin actually plugged that idea and oh. vince mcmahon said no vince said no i can't believe vince it said no fucking hell you can imagine when uh du- that, that honestly, you want to talk about professionalism with Dustin Dustin Runnels? It's like you hear stories of you know the 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 divas of the time, as they call them, getting breast implants just so they could get ahead. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, get ahead with Vince McMahon, and you know, and it working. And Dustin Rhodes actually tried to do the exact same fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I, honestly, you know, I wish I wish that got signed off. I would have loved to have seen that. I mean, that's a little bit too bizarre for me. <laughs> I don't know. That's like well, pushing the, bra- the boundaries of wrestling, I think. Did you watch Goldust in 1996? Oh, of course, he was, the bizarre, he was a bizarre one. He did push the fucking boundaries. His whole character was to make people feel uncomfortable because people didn't like gay people or trans people or, you know, or just, you know, fucking hell, it still would work in 2021, wouldn't it? But at the time, it was like the peak of hatred of these type of people. If he got breast implants, he would have been the number one fucking heel in that company. If he had did that, I guarantee you now, Mark, he would have been in the main event. He would have been challenging for the WWE title. And I'll tell you something, he could have been a fucking legit and great WWE champion. Regardless if he had breast implants or not, he, he had the skills, he had the character down. If he had done that, 
they would have made him the top heel. Personally, it's not a draw for me. Personally, really? I think people would turn off. Uh, Especially back then. Well, you, you think that, but they weren't turning off. They were turning in just to fucking boo him. And they wanted to see him get beat. They weren't like, you know, what they are today. We were just turning off at shit like that. But back then, people were tuning in to fucking boo the guy. And they eventually fell in love with the character, you know. There were enough fan base there that loved the character to actually see it through. If he'd actually done that, he would have gotten more notoriety with the people that fucking like him. And the people that hated him would still tune in because he wanted to see him get beat. That was the thing back then. Like, it's really fucking weird how they reacted to shit like that. They just, they legit wanted to see Dustin Runnels get fucking killed on TV. Dustin Runnels, Dustin Rhodes, whatever you want to call him. They legit wanted him to get fucking completely and utterly buried on TV. And WWE were never doing that. Mm. So I, th- I think it would have worked. It's a tough one uh, because, I mean... Because you've got to think, you got to think, if it went into the 90s, into the 90s, there were more than enough, like the late 90s that is, there were more than enough to keep the fans invested. If so, you know, he could have been top heel against Stone Cold. That's where my thought, like, my thought process goes. He could have been a top heel against Stone Cold. And people were tuning in for Stone Cold anyway. They would want to see him beat him. And eventually he's going to fucking do that. And then when The Rock came along, it was the same fucking principle. They want to see him beat, the, uh, beat Goldust. And he would have done that. I think it would have worked. Mm. I mean, at, at this time, you, you, you're essentially saying, right, over on WCW Nitro, we've got real things happening. Real people who are real, really taking over kind of feel. And then we'll look at the WWF and we've got a guy with breast implants. But the thing is, though, he was kind of like he was viewed as ahead of his time in many ways because people oh, didn't yeah, know. I get that completely, because because that... pe- people didn't know he was male or female and all that. You know, I I think it probably would have went a long way as well, um, in terms of um, promoting like trans rights and things like that. I mean, that was on the rise in the late in the mid to late nineties. So yeah. if you want somebody that could be a poster boy or a poster girl for that, he could have done that. It might have been fucking tasteless in many ways. But he could have actually been like that face. He could have turned into that face character and like, you know what? You hate you hated me because of who I am. But this is who I am, and I am not ashamed of who I am. He he could have legit have got that over into like a, a proper face character in terms of like promoting trans rights. Hmm. And later on down the line, he could have just had his breast breast pants removed if it didn't work. Yeah. You know, there's there's pros and cons for this, you know. If it didn't work, you know, you could get those viewers back by just saying, like, okay, you know, I was actually just shoving socks down my fucking bra or something that I had on the big... He didn't even need to get the rest of the implants. He could have just done that with the suit, with the bodysuit he wore. He could have just had, you know, fake prosthetic breasts on top of his chest. Hmm. I can't believe I'm saying that, but... <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting take. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Uh I, I don't know if I genuinely don't know if it would have worked. The reason why the WWF came back into the fucking fold is because Stone Cold Steve Austin was real. You know but what Stone I mean? Cold, but around the time Stone Cold was already on on it in, in his ascension. So if you wanted somebody that could have been a heel character to go up against him, which Goldust was being tipped for at the time, you know that probably would have worked in that in that aspect. If he just had the breast implants or didn't have the breast implants, but just like went all in on the uh, I can't remember the correct term of it, you know, but uh, the character that you didn't know if he's a man or a woman and all that, if he wanted to get heat with the, the the fan base that didn't like that kind of thing, which they didn't they, they didn't like anyway, but they're still fucking tuned in to watch it. I mean, fucking hell, it was 2021 all over again. People hate wrestling, but they're still tuned in every week to watch it. You know, if he, he could have been, been that character alongside uh, Steve Austin, and Steve Austin probably would have been willing to work with the guy. 
you know, because he knew him from WCW and they were friends. Mm. Like, this ain't a Scott Hall, but it raises a Ramon moment where he, the moment this character came about, he refused to work with him because he didn't, he, he refused to work with Goldust because he was uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, Austin would have been game for anything that Goldust did to, you know, to get himself over and to get Goldust over. You know, he, Austin would have been all in on that. Because the way he looked at it, he, the way he would have looked at it, he, he probably would have felt uncomfortable, but it would be like, me and him could make money. Well, what they did worked, didn't it? So it's, it is exactly. kind of we're still, a moot I mean, point. We'll, but... I mean, uh, this is what I'm on about. Right? I'm looking at this with, in, in hindsight. Yeah. That character got over big style, even with the people that fucking initially hated him. He became over. Like, it were one pay-per-view in 1998, I think it were. I think it might have been something like uh, Breakdown 98 or Judgment Day 1998. It was like, like September, October time that year. Uh, Dustin Runnels uh, was portraying the normal like Dustin Runnels character. Well, well kind of, but he was more like playing uh, like a Latter-day Saint type character. You know, I, I, I've seen God and all this thing and all that. And they were in a rivalry with Val Venus and Val, uh, Val Venus stole Marlena from him. And this is why he turned into this character. And eventually... The rage got to him. He came back as Goldust. He turned back into Goldust. And when he returned on pay-per-view, he got the fucking loudest pop of the night. He got a louder pop than Austin. And Austin was on the same pay-per-view that night. Like, he was in the main event. That that goes to show you where that character went. Mm. So, from what I'm saying, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm looking at it... I mean, I could be fucking completely wrong. I, you know, I mean, this is all hypotheticals at the end of the day. But I, I saw where that character went. And that the people that initially hated him, they, they kind of like grew up, I suppose, and just thought, like, okay, you know, we're just trying to ha- <laughs> try and fight something that, you know, is we might not understand, and this is the reason why we hated it, is because we didn't understand. But this character has made me understand it a little bit more, because he did. Goldust, made, uh, you know, he did a lot of things in terms of people understanding, you know, things that they didn't understand initially, you know, like, you know, tra- you know, trans, to an extent, like, uh, homosexuality and things like that are, are just without actively stating where he, where he lied he actually did a lot to actually promote those rights and people weren't from it you know yeah i'm looking at it from that like seeing where it went basically is what i'm getting at yeah yeah well i mean as we were saying like what's on one side and what's on the other uh we're still i mean this goes on for a good fucking 20 minutes half an hour this segment yeah, uh, Arn Anderson's on the floor as well, holding his uh, hand, which legitimizes that a little bit as well. Because, as you said, he's he, he was due to going for surgery on, on his hand anyway. I think it were. Um, he's actually on the floor, and woman's like stood over him, cradling him and crying, like really crying her eyes out. It gives like an Oscar-winning performance here as well. Uh, and Benoit's the same. And this is really weird to see Chris Benoit just like sobbing like a, a baby because oh my god, Arn's, yeah. like fucking legitimately injured, and just adds all this legitimacy to this uh, to this segment itself. Um, well, this might tie into what I was on about a couple of weeks ago. Um, is this writing on on and off so he can have his much needed surgery? That's my thought, but I don't know what happens. Uh, I'm not sure. So I mean, it's just going to be a fucking surprise as we continue on through this uh, this. Natural timeline. Um, Meng shows up. Uh, <laughs> Meng shows up. And at oh first I was like, well, where the fuck was Meng when all this was fucking kicking off anyway? Because, you know what? Yeah. Things wouldn't have happened if Meng was around. But then Meng, Meng starts kicking off with Chris Benoit. So it's just almost and as it, if, like, they've just got, kind of said, right, Meng, you go in there and uh, you just kick off with everybody. And, and people will think that you're the fourth guy because 
Side note, folks, Rey Mysterio is down on the floor having his mask taken off and a neck brace put around him saying, Quattro, Quattro, there's four, yeah. there's four to Eddie and Alex Wright who've come out to help him now. Right, I, I've just got a, I've got a question about this segment, Go right? Meng is from Tonga, I think it is. I know they push him as Samoan in certain, you know, WE did at one point, I think, you know, but it is from Tonga. Hmm. Like, what the fuck was he saying? No what idea. the fuck was he saying? No because idea. do do I, I I'm not really sure, but do Tong do Tonganese uh well Tongan Tonganese, I don't fucking know what the bloody correct term is. It's probably <laughs> sounding ra- that might have sounded racist, but I genuinely don't know, so excuse my ignorance. I'm actually searching up King Kingdom of Tonga here. Right, so what what I wanna know is what is the national language of Tonga? Well I'd have thought ah, it'd come be a, Australian. Come, Common, lang- common languages, English and Tongan. Right. Because what I put down is Meng talks a lot of gibberish here. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously he's talking Tongan. Yeah. But it's it just like, you're talking to somebody that doesn't speak English, dude. Yeah, that's it. Ben was just like, you what know, are you talking uh, about? Spe- sorry, he speaks English, not Tongan, sorry. Correct. Correction. You know, he, he, he doesn't speak your native language. Yeah. You know, speak English to him. Like, he's going, oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, I, I, I couldn't pick out what he was saying. Yeah. He might have been speaking English, but, you know, his accent might have freaking... His accent's pretty rich. I've heard him speak legitimately. His accent is fairly rich. You know, and he can be quite hard to understand. So he could have been talking English, but whatever it were, I couldn't fucking pick it out. Yeah. Well, the the other thing, the other slight issue that I had with this was that they, they go over to Arn, right, and they roll him onto a fucking gurney, or a stretcher, as we call him. Um, or a backboard, if you like, for a an injury with his arm, with his hand, right? They go over to Rey Mysterio and they pick him up by hand. There's four of them pick him up by hand with no neck, with no backboard or anything like that. Yet Rey Mysterio's the one that might have a broken fucking neck for going yeah. into a fucking trailer at fucking a million miles an hour. And they're just like, yeah, we'll just pick him up, ran- yeah, just fucking throw him on there, he'll be fine. But Aaron Anderson's like, whoa, no, take it very seriously, you know, like, it's like, the backboard has to go to Rey Mysterio, he's the one with the fucking neck issue. Are they really just treating Aaron Anderson like an older person? And we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know, he might have just injured his hand or what have you, but, uh, yeah, we'll just put it, just to say, for safety's sake, you know, just, uh, let's just put him on a stretcher. Yeah. Uh, Rey Mysterio, oh, he's young and, you know, shake, shake it off, Ray. <laughs> shake it off. Yeah, I mean, this this segment, like we've said before, this is one of the, this is one of the most infamous segments in wrestling history, and I've, I can't lie, when, uh, when I was watching it back, I got engrossed into it again. But yeah, I, I was I was tr- I was also trying to sort of like just see everything that was happening. So Bagwell on the floor, Riggs never regains consciousness. He ends up in a fucking ambulance. Um, they actually pile people into these ambulances as well, whereas it's yeah. only like one person and two people can go with them. You know, this time it's like, well, okay, four people can go in there, and we're gonna have two victims go in one ambulance, and it's just all fucking crazy. But this uh, time and time again has been said uh, that that residents who actually lived in the area genuinely phoned the police because of this segment and I think that's part of the reason why a fire engine shows up right at the beginning <laughs> the fire, the first respondence is uh, a fire engine but obviously well that answers that question <laughs> obviously fi- uh, uh, fire it oh fucking hell firefighters and everything like that they're trained in basic 
medical things, so like CPR and everything like that, recovery position, blah, blah, blah. So if there's somebody on the scene that's got medical a medical background, it makes sense to go and fucking fire them over there. But yes, uh, plenty of phone calls went into the uh, to the LAPD and all that fucking sorts. I don't know. I, I can't remember. Um, it wouldn't be LAPD, would it? It'd be fucking FL, Yeah, I was going to say we're in Florida. Yeah whatever it is yeah so uh yeah plenty of residents and you, you can see you can hear a baby crying in the background i don't know if you got that little bit um i actually miss that right so there's a baby crying in the background you, you can't see where the baby's coming from or anything like that there's residents at the back uh just watching what's happening but it does look so if you could put your head into the mindset of 1996 but even me sat here 2021 the other day even i'm still like fucking hell this looks as real it's as real. wrestling can get yeah yeah um, this, see, this goes back to what I was saying about WWE not acknowledging WCW. Like, I mean, they set the precedent in 1996 on realism in wrestling. Yeah. This fucking set the precedent. Because WWE weren't doing shit like this prior to prior to this. No. It's not long after that we get fucking, um, you know, Brian's got a gun. Yeah. You know, or Pillman's got a gun, whatever they call it. You know, they start doing shit like that. Like, well, I think that's about happening. a year a year later, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. But yeah, WWE weren't doing it like this at the time. Right now, Steve Austin's the ringmaster. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it's like it's not long. It's like a year out. But I, I, I'd believe that they're still doing stuff. You know, I, I mean, I mean, they'd have to go back and actually get that far and watch it. But, hmm. um, but I can imagine that somebody saw this and like, okay, you know. They're really up in the ante in WCW about what's real and what's not in wrestling. Yep. You know, we just saw Hacksaw Jim Duggan fucking hot dog into a match, so that's clearly <laughs> not fucking real. But then we go and see this. Like, this is real as real can get. Mm. Tap into it. Yep. WCW did that, you know. I mean, this is the thing. With WCW, they they, they are constantly fucking shit on. You know, there's shit on by WWE, there's shit on by people that didn't watch them or all that. And even I got caught in, you know, I, I got caught into that as well. When you have the, the winning company telling you this is what WCW is, you fucking get inclined to believe them. Like, it, it happened to me, you know, which is why I'm enjoy, you know, enjoying watching this and seeing it with my own eyes and saying, you know what, WWE, you were wrong. And fucking hell, we're only a year in. We're not even a year in yet. Yeah. And I'm saying, WWE, you are wrong. Yeah. You know, they're... It, it just astounds me, like, they shy away from this when WCW inspired a lot of fucking things in wrestling that still happen to this day. Yeah. I mean, we have WCW, would you have on um, on-screen authority figures? Well, that's it. Because Eric Bischoff is considered the first. Yeah, yeah. And they make reference to that as well next, don't they? Um, when they come back from the break, uh, he obviously Heenan and Bischoff, because so the crossover between hour one and hour two has happened during this incident but obviously they've not let the fireworks off or anything because they're treating this as a serious incident um they come back from break and uh heenan says that he won't do the broadcast without assurances of his own safety and bischoff said well i can't guarantee that so brain completely just walks off he says right i'm not doing my job uh and obviously the second hour consists of the continuation of the back that backstage incident but also tony shivani does make reference to eric bischoff being the executive the executive vice president so it's something like that yeah um, yeah, I, I caught that, yeah. yeah. Uh, the crowd but, is chanting, boring, boring. Yeah, because they haven't seen anything. <laughs> yeah, but little did they know that they're part of one of the most intense parts of any Nitro that you're ever likely to see. Uh, and I did I did ask the question, like, do you put a tannoy announcement over it? Like, do you say, uh, you know, maybe get Penzer to say, oh, we're sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but an incident has occurred? Or 
does that risk panicking the the people in attendance so they start fucking running around like oh my god terrorists are here or some shit like that i've got a better one yeah go on put up a fucking screen a screen yeah that'd make sense yeah. put up a fucking screen yeah you 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 spend half an hour 40 minutes going into all this backstage stuff and these poor fuckers that are that are paid to come and watch your product I don't think they not paid. witness it. Uh, oh, they might not pay. It were involved. It were inclusive into the uh, the Disney entrance fee, so right. you could go around, and that's why you you know when the limos there, you can see people walking around the limo because basically right. you follow okay, like that, a that, system. That, that would make, yeah, like impacts. Yeah, that yeah. Make, that kind of makes sense. But you know, I, I can imagine that some people to like WCW fans in the area, like okay, we'll pay to go to Disney so we can go and watch WCW. That's true. Yeah. You know, that's where my mind is at, yeah. you know, that they could still do that. Like, I know people that did that with in Universal Studios with Impact. They were, they go and have a make, make a day of it, but their goal was to go and, see, uh, go and see TNA. Yeah. Like, I can imagine that people have paid to do this, and they're still going to feel fucking ripped off because they're expecting a great night of wrestling action, and they're not getting it. Hmm. Spoiler alert, they're not getting it, you know. Yeah. The least WCW could have done at this point, if they weren't going to put up the screen up, they could have had wrestlers still going out and wrestling to make up for this. Yeah. You know, the dark matches could have been taking place at this point. Well, I, I don't know if that happens. I mean, that that's you for, to find you know find out for me there because, you, you know, you, you research the dark matches and all that. But it would be interesting to know what the views of the fans that were there were, uh, were then and what they are in hindsight yeah. considering What's that they were like? part of a classical fucking classic moment hmm. because I can't help but feel that they would still feel that they were, you know, a little bit ripped off, that they didn't get to see all this, yeah. that they've gone to a live wrestling show and they still should have got to see all this. And if they didn't get to see this, they should have had matches going on consistently to make up for the fact that they're not seeing any of this. Yeah. This is what really peed me off about the show. This is what really angered me because, like, they th- it's like amateur hour, hour year. Hmm. You know, it, I'm pretty sure WCW could have at least put up a screen. Knowing ahead that this could have happened, they could have put up a screen and people would have watched it on screen. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I think I agree with that, to be honest. I mean, I know it's only 450 people uh, as opposed to the, well, I'll tell the ratings later, but let's say just millions of people watching. It's still it 450 people coming yeah. to watch your product. It's somebody that might come back again and buy a fucking t shirt or whatever. It's still a mark, isn't it, basically? That's what they call yeah. them. Yeah. Either that. Or if you're gonna do this, and you like you you're really thinking about the fans in the arena as well, because clearly they fucking did it. If that's a, that's their mentality. Oh yeah, it's only four hundred and fifty people. If that is their mentality. Then that is even more bad. That it makes it worse. Yeah. That you're just flipping off the fans that have actually come to watch your products in person, regardless of whether they paid to come in or, or not. What have you? Yeah. You know, you you are still flipping flipping off them and that is so fucking wrong if the fans were a focus you could have done this at any arena yeah it just seems like the fans weren't a focus at all and that's such a shame yeah i mean i, I can get it from the other side like you want to make it real so you know you, you can't you can't pander to the fans because you're trying to make it realistic because pandering to the fans wouldn't make it realistic but the a screen is a standard thing there's no reason why a screen shouldn't be there even if this wasn't going to happen at a wrestling I mean, show, you should have a screen, really, shouldn't you? Yeah. Do they have screens at Nitro? You know, when it's in a normal oh, this arena. Is, this is, see, I, I don't know if I've ever come across that. No, I, not but, until they changed the set in '99. Uh, uh, yeah, '99. No. Yeah. Unless it's something that might be on like the hard camera or something that we don't see. Yeah. You know, like, but 
you know, I, I so like they never know. had the Tron. Like Raw had the Tron, didn't it? It had the fucking Titan Tron and everything like that. They, they were fair, the first ones think, to do that. I don't think Raw had the Tron until about nineteen ninety seven. Right. So you know, I don't think it's like a standard thing. But if you're gonna go all out and do the backstage stuff, then you need to, especially with someone that's gonna take a chunk of the show like that. Then yeah, absolutely. You have you have to give the the people in attendance something. Yeah, yeah. You can't just do all this backstage and. Fuck the fans. Yeah. They're still there to watch your products at the end of the day. You could... Here's the thing. Like, if People could argue, okay, like it's only 450 fans, and some of those people, you know, they only paid to get into Disney MGM, and they just decided to come and, you know, come and see wrestling because it's there for free, you know that. But you could have made 450 new fans there yeah. by showing them this, you know? Yeah. And... That's something at the end of the day. It might only be 450, but you think about it. Those people could go home and go, look, I attended this and this happened. Yeah. You've got to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. And that could, you know, that could make more, even more and more fans. And this is going to make more fans, granted. We know where it goes from here. WCW get, end up with fucking millions more fans tuning in weekly to see this kind of thing. But, you know, you, you, you were already ahead of the curve with the realism. You should have been ahead of the curve by allowing the fans in on that. Well, after uh, after they've had a very brief conversation with Brain, who's obviously, like I said, he's he's, he's gone. He's not going to do the broadcast today. Uh, we, we go back to the backstage area and there's a perfect shot uh, pulling back of uh, somebody holding a baseball bat and just looking at it. And it turns out to be Sting, which um, I'd never seen this shot before. But when you know what's going to happen in the next like couple of years and everything like that, it's just like fucking hell. You know what I mean? Like Sting with a baseball I... bat. <laughs> I miss that. Yeah, yeah, it happens. He, I think he's he's uh, just as Bagwell is uh, getting carted off into the ambulance. Uh, he's there, and they just pull it back. It's so constructed, it, like there's nothing, uh, there's nothing organic about this shot whatsoever. It is constructed to the nth degree. It wouldn't surprise me if Bischoff is like, no, you do it, you do it this way, because down the line, you know, Sting and a baseball bat are going to become synonymous with each other. And I mean, to I, this I day, twenty twenty one, they still fucking are. <laughs> I do have to wonder if that was the plan at the time, you know, Sting going off. Because I know, I know he initially went off, like, because I think he, like, needed knee surgery as well, something like that. But, um, it's some it's sort of red anyway. But I, I, I do have to wonder if they had that foresight, like, okay, this is a character Sting is going to portray. Yeah. Or they saw this and looked at it afterwards and went, thought, oh, that could be a really good fucking character trait mm. for Sting, mm. the baseball bat. Because either way, it works the exact same, you know, the exact same way. Both ways, he's still fucking genius. Yeah. He gets into an ambulance with Bagwell himself, uh, who's coupled up with Arn to, to go to the hospital themselves. Uh, Arn is accompanied by Fleur and Woman, and Woman is actually holding the hand of Marcus Bagwell whilst the door is closing, uh, which just basically signals that, that all these rivalries and stuff like that they're all non-existent now this this is all just fucking serious stuff and it's everybody yeah. against the nwo it's not it's no longer you know there's little factions and shit like that yeah we'll come back to that in two matches time yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so the <laughs> the first one of those two matches uh standby uh, matches as bef- WCW was calling before we it. move on woman's performance throughout all that she's in fucking tears throughout yeah <laughs> what oscar Yes. Oscar-winning performance yeah. from Woman there, yeah. fucking phenomenal. Completely. That agree. was my, t- that was my takeaway post Rey Mysterio, uh, what being long-dotted. Mm. 
was a woman's crying. It was fucking so... It, it was authentic. Yeah, yeah. She went for it big time, didn't she? Yeah. yeah brilliant. Yeah, it was. It was fantastic. Uh, really good piece of acting. Better uh, than fucking keeping throwing a shoe or a cup of coffee at people anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, tag team match between uh, High Voltage, Kenny Chaos and Robbie Rage. Uh, I think they were, this is the debuting uh, match, isn't it, on Nitro versus um, the Steiner it's... brothers? Actually, I thought it was a debut match, but it wasn't. It's the second match, but the first ma- uh, first matches weren't known as high voltage. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. Yeah, they, they've been. I, I can't remember what they were on uh, the name they were under beforehand, but this is a debut under high voltage. Right. I'm, I know. Um, I know we've seen Kenny Chaos before. I know that much. Yeah. Well, so. it might have just been that, but yeah. it's the debut of high voltage. Um, fun fact. Matt Hardy believes WCW knit the high voltage name from him. All right. Yeah, because back in, do you know of Omega? Uh, Ome- the Omega is the ter- yeah, Omega is the territory that Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy started. Yeah. It's where the likes of Shannon Moore and Shane Helms came through. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, uh, back in the day, back in long before they were like on the Indies and things like that, uh, Matt Hardy had a character called High Voltage. And he used to wear like a yellow leotard and, you know, do like the electric colour and things like that, you know, the warning signs and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was his persona. Oh. And, you know what, he might have a point. I, I, I think it's pure coincidental, personally. I don't think they actually <laughs> looking at Omega Tits and going, ooh, high voltage. But he could <laughs> have a point. He does have a point. Yeah. Because by this point, Matt and Jeff, they have been on the Indies uh, for quite a while. Uh, they've been in the NWA, they've been tag champions. Not NWA tag champions at this point. It's one of the, like, uh, like one of the small indie feds that they have. Yeah. yeah. So it's like North American tag team. They, they, they've held tag team gold together and they've been under their real names at yeah. this point. At this point also, they are both, uh, they're not signed to WWE, but they've both had job matches with WWE. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Hardy, interestingly, had a match against Razor Ramon in 1994. He uh, was 16 years old at the time. That's madness, isn't it? I know. It's fucking crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I think it's like either 97 or 98 when they get, they do get officially signed. But yeah, they've both been around for quite a while at this point. Mm. So while I do think it could be coincidental that uh, WWE have, uh, sorry, WWE, WCW have a tag team that's high vault, uh, that has the same name, that was the, uh, the name of the character that Hardy... Uh, performed under back in 1991 or whatever whenever it were yeah. whilst I do believe it was coincidental I can see why Matt Hardy would would think that they took that name yeah yeah totally yeah it uh, it does look a bit fishy doesn't it <laughs> yeah and we, we know WCW kind of like stole little bits and bobs oh of course yeah I, I, I there's, there's just that part of me that's like I don't think they were viewing Omega tips at this point no Maybe later down the line, before Shane Helms and Shannon Moore get signed to contracts, and I think there was wasn't Christian Roark uh, part of developmental in WCW at one point. I have never heard of him. I'm not sure who that he, is. He was in he, he was in TNA for a bit. Um, you, you you might know him more by face by by the names, but he he had like a dreadlocks white guy with like big fucking fake dreadlocks. Christian uh, York. Yeah, spell like uh, Y or Y or K E. You might recognise him more by face, I think. You might have actually been tuned out of uh, Impact by this point, to be honest with you, but he was part of the Gut Check Challenge. 
Yeah, he doesn't look familiar to me, to be honest. Right, you might have tuned out, but yeah, uh, he came for, he came up through uh, Omega. There's there's a couple of other people. Uh, I think uh, no, I don't think Joey Legend became through that. I think he became through Canadian territories. But uh, yeah, there's a few people that uh, ended up in WCW that were in Omega. Right. So, you know, it, it it is possible. What I'm saying, it is possible that they did steal the name, but. There's just that little bit in the back of my mind that's like, I don't think they were viewing Omega tapes at this point. Because if they were, they would have got ahead of the curve and like saw what Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy were doing at that time hmm. and, and thought, get them in the fucking power plant. Hmm. Right. Um, I don't think they would have missed the ball on the Hardy boys. No. I, I just don't get it. No, no, not at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a coincidence in my eyes. Well, I've got to be honest, it's a shame that they didn't get the Hardy Boys at this point because Kenny Chaos and Robbie Rage, they're not that good. Um, no. <laughs> Rick, is, Rick is very uh, solemn and upset as he's coming out. He keeps looking up uh, behind him as well. It's It doesn't... I mean, the commentary kind of talk about it being like paranoia, but I kind of feel like it's like, no, they're my mates, you know what I mean? Then What the fuck's going on sort of thing? Not like I'm scared because somebody's going to come and get me. Rick's Again, not that it, kind of guy. <laughs> no, it plays into the realism. Like, you know, it, it, it's kind of breaking kayfabe at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I know that's kind of like a, a dirty term to uh, to use at this point, breaking cafe because Vince so he took that and oh, fucking boy, he ran with it. Boy, he he ran, ran with, with, you know, breaking the third wall. Absolutely. But uh, he was doing that in WWE as well, mate, trust me. Yeah. Uh, ble- uh, uh, um, Beaver Cleavage, just fucking look that up. You, you, you'll see, <laughs> exactly. You, you'll see what I mean by fucking running with that. Vince so did fucking run with it. Um, yeah, I, I see it as like breaking kayfabe, like, again, you know, rivals in the ring, friends away from it, and uh, fucking hell, made that sound like it was a movie, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Rivals in the ring, friends away from it. This is the story, yeah. (laughs) This is WCW, Monday Nitro. (laughs) Rated (laughs) PG-13. Only on TNT. Yeah, um, I, I, I am in complete agreement with you, though. It's not paranoia. It's more a case of breaking kayfabe. These are my friends in real in real life, yeah. and I'm concerned about them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't fill them in. Maybe yeah. Rick didn't even know about. Oh, who are these outsiders guys? He didn't watch Bash <laughs> of the Beach back. He, you know, he had his match and went home. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, Scott Scott tries to get him into focus as well to to because they've got a match up now, so he's going to try and get into focus. And Scott sweetly executes every move while Rick is pacing around the ring, uh, wondering what to do with himself. Scott interjects in between every couple of moves to try again to get Rick to focus and to come up onto the t- to the uh, apron. But he, he very briefly comes up onto the apron, tags Rick in. But Rick is more concerned with the incidents earlier, and subsequently, uh, uh, subsequently, this allows chaos chaos to take advantage. Uh, Rage in keeps the advantage going, and quick tags from the two newbies. Uh, Seriously, uh, fucking chaos and rage. It sounds like fucking forgotten Mortal Kombat characters here. <laughs> Maybe they should fucking form a stable with Glacier. Yeah, coming soon. Uh, <laughs> Can't... Didn't um, um, uh, Chris Canyon perform uh, Mor- Mortis, Mortis? That's the one. Yeah, Mortis, yeah like on. a rip-off of uh, Reptile. Uh, I'd, I'd... That's, yeah, the green, the, like the, it, was, it was a green suit. So it looked like a rip-off of Reptile to me. I might be wrong, but that seemed like very Mortal Kombat. More, I, I can't remember that character. I didn't even realise that were a character, to be honest. I'd, yeah. Not big big up on um, Mortal Kombat and that sort of stuff. No. Uh, My apologies. Mortis was... 
Oh yeah, it was because Canyon of Woods. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. It's definitely more. It looks like a cross between uh, Reptile and Shao Kahn. Okay. So yeah, that was definitely playing into the the Mortal Kombat theme that they were going for. Yeah, it could have been. I, I I can't remember if they actually ended up like you said, stabling together or tagging together or anything like that. It wouldn't surprise me somewhere down the line that they do. But maybe, oh my god, I'm looking on pictures here. Uh, WCW Worldwide. Uh, the short picture of Mortis. He's not wearing green, but he's wearing purple. And fucking hell, he looks like Rain from Mortal Kombat as well. So there we go. Wow. The, he, he should be coming into it soon as well. Mortis, actually, come to think of it. Uh, what am I up to now? Chaos sloppily off the top rope. And Rick covers for two. Uh, and then tags out. Scotty runs rampant on the two voltage members with clotheslines and a tilt world side slam. Uh, superb butterfly suplex powerbomb is executed as well. Rick in sends Rage into the turnbuckle from a gut wrench uh, and then clotheslines him. Uh, a right forearm from uh, to Chaos and Rick is firmly back and in the swing of things mentally again. Tags Scotty in and it's a fucking stunning sit-out variation Tombstone power driver from oh. a vertical suplex cradling the neck with his arm safe as you like and beautifully executed for the win in this one. Scott Steiner gets it by a pinfall 4 minutes and 46 seconds. What a fucking finisher that was. <laughs> I found out after the match that that was called the Steiner screwdriver. Oh, is that what that is? Yes. Oh, okay. And... I'm like you, I fucking jumped out my seat, legitimately, I jumped out my seat when he did that. But my seat was actually, by the way, at the bottom of the bath, but I fucking jumped on. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, like, I've got to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen, that's the first time I've seen it, but I've heard of the Steiner screwdriver. Yeah. So I don't know if they stopped using it for any reason, but <laughs> fuck me. I, I, I actually think that was what Owen Hart did to uh, Steve Austin in WWE. I think it was the, the same variant of that. It were it rather that or just like a normal power driver, but I think it because Owen Hart used to used to pull out the Tombstone power driver at times. Yeah, um, um, I think that was the move, the exact same move that he brought Austin's neck with. I think it was. We watched that. Um, we watched the Austin A and E documentary, uh, and obviously uh. they detailed that. And yeah. Steve Austin is facing Owen Hart, and Owen Hart, he, he, Austin even says like, "Oh yeah, uh, Owen told me he was going to sit out," and he's like, "What do you mean sit out? You don't need to sit out." And he's just like, "No, no, no, it's going to make it safer," and it didn't. It made it worse. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. It's the same. Yeah, I think it is the same. Only, I think Owen's holding him like you would hold somebody in a power driver, whereas Scott Steiner here is holding the shoulders and cradling yeah. the neck. So, yeah. yeah, it's a little he's bit do, He's from, doing the work, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And to be honest, his arms are that fucking... They just look like cushiony stuff, don't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. he just looks like a massive, like, teddy bear. You could, yeah, you could fall asleep on Scott Steiner, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> this sounds a bit romantic, this, doesn't it, really? Anyway, let's, let's get away from that. Uh, <laughs> singles, singles match, Big Bubba... With you could recline on Sky on Steiner. Yeah, it's nearly time. Maybe for that's ben the origin well. of Steiner recliner. I don't you need to stretch out on him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need. I don't need this before bed. Like I don't. <laughs> not before just, dreamy I'm time. Just, I'm just purposely trying to make it uncomfortable for Scott. Uh, for, for Scott for Mark now. <laughs> <laughs> I know it'll never happen anyway. He'll, he'll remember me from the PCW story, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so Eddie Guerrero, he, he did that to your mate's uh, new girl toy. <laughs> girl toy <laughs> oh dearie me right can we carry on are we alright now yeah 
I'm not. I'm, t- I, I, I'm tickled by my own fabish circle. <laughs> sorry. Oh, I, I was thinking of uh, Honky Tonk Man, but the uh, uh, the shoot interview, like uh, he, he were cut, uh, he were cutting Shawn Michaels down. You know, he was going, and this man, if Shawn Michaels weren't your boy, Ty, he'll be gone, and you know it. <laughs> and that's all I could think of after I said girl toy. It just tickled me. I'm not your girl toy. <laughs> girl toy. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Fucking hell. I like this beer. <laughs> yeah, it's got you giddy, that one. Uh, right. Eddie Guerrero versus Big Bubba with Jimmy Hart. Uh, Jimmy Hart's not in the ring, obviously. That wouldn't make any fucking sense, sadly. Um, Why? This is Jimmy Hart who was getting all the wrestlers to go backstage because the NWO were attacking people. And now he's back out here being Big Bubba's manager. And being a heel. And being a heel, yes. Early. Yeah. But um, why is this match happening? This match is happening for no explainable reason. I can't lie, Brian. Uh, This is the the worst mismatch of fucking styles and fucking characters I've ever seen. I do have a theory. Because a few weeks ago, Larry turned around and said, if you remember, uh, Big Bubba moves like Rey Mysterio. Yes. And I think I think someone took that literally and like, oh, this will be a good cruiserweight classic. And it's not. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of time given to this as well, unfortunately. Oh Jesus Christ! It dragged on. It dragged. And on yeah, it did drag on. watching the last. To me, this was like watching the Last Jedi in the cinema again. It was just fucking. Will you fucking end? <laughs> I, I was like that after two minutes because it was so fucking slow. It felt like two minutes was ten. Mm. Well, Awful er- match. Early doors, Bubba's shoulder block uh, and an open-handed slap Cockley throws Eddie out of the ring and mounts the turnbuckle. But Eddie is right back in to slap Bubba with his own right hand, drop kicks him out of the ring and races up the ropes to almost fly off, but he likes not to. Uh, a pancake, knee and more open-handed slaps to Eddie's face while he's on the floor. Headbutt and a gorilla press snake eyes. But uh, only a two on the pins. Bubba picks him up again, signalling to drill him into the corner, but Eddie floats out as he runs... Uh, and a belly-to-back suplex, which fucking came out of nowhere, really, and the, the, the commentators loved it, from Eddie. But Bubba is back up with an uppercut. More slaps from Bubba. Sends Eddie into the ropes, but Eddie pushes off and drop kicks nicely into the chest. Unfortunately, it's a big clothesline from Bubba again to cut off his momentum. Bubba dominates with strikes and a camel clutch and a face rake. Body scissors submission with, a ra- with the eyes raked. And Jimmy distracts the referee with um, as the crowd simmer. Big splash in the corner and a cocky pin gets a two for Bubba again. Throttling Eddie now, he throws him into the corner uh, from one corner to another and to another. Uh, he kicks and then a big cuddle, basically. <laughs> Bear hug, <laughs> but it is a cuddle. Uh, before a variation of the Thez press, but only a two again. Small package out of nowhere from Eddie gets the crowd cheering, but Bubba is back on top very quickly. Bischoff says national news outlets are calling to get informed what happened earlier on, but there is no use as of yet. Uh, but reiterating that there were four men. Eddie mounting a comeback with rights uh, of his own, a cut-off again with an uppercut, and Bubba gets him down with a headlock, keeping Eddie off his feet. The crowd starts to to chant Eddie, Eddie, louder as he uh, rises to his feet. He goes for a big crossbody off the ropes, but again he's slammed down by the bigger boss man. Bubba puts Eddie in the corner, but Eddie kicks out as he's mounting it, Locks in a front chancery and swings around for a tornado DDT, and the crowd are up for oh, it now. What a move. Eddie up high with various right hands as Jimmy is coming up onto the apron, and the referee is distracted. Eddie floats over but hits the turnbuckle with his head. Uh, Eddie is sent out 
of the ring. Jimmy throws the megaphone to Bubba, but Eddie, with a sunset flip, Bubba dropping the megaphone, attempting to pick it back up as he's about to fucking go backwards. Uh, the megaphone flies into the air, and Eddie gets the three count in this one. Um, that little, you know, that, that final minute and a half is all that you need from this match, really. Uh, the, the rest of it is just so drab and just slow, and I hate seeing yeah. Eddie matches like this. I hate him. Um, yeah. Eddie via pinfall, 10 minutes and 47 seconds given to this one, sadly. Yeah, in theory, it works to get Eddie over the way that you always have. Yeah, uh, underdog but, coming from behind, and and the yeah. crowd. The thing is, the crowd react well to it as well. Yeah, because exactly. when it comes his turn, the crowd are fucking well in. Exactly, and that's fine. But you gave this a lot of time, and there's not really much. You know, there's no great offense from Big Bubba in this match. Yeah, you know, the only move that I really, t- uh, you know, that I like of Big Bubba at the moment is his uppercut. I think that should be his finisher because the slapping fucking sound, it makes it sound really legit. Yeah. Like, you know, that would knock somebody out. Yeah. But, as you say, it's a mismatch. You could... I mean, this really should have been Dean Lanko versus Eddie Guerrero or Billy Kidman versus Eddie Guerrero mm. or just any cruiserweight mm. on the roster versus Eddie Guerrero. You know, you could have had pretty much anybody. I would have fucking taken hard work Bobby Walker over fucking Big Bubba versus Eddie Guerrero because at least I know that it will be half decent. Yeah. I, I think Eddie Guerrero could actually work with Bobby Walker and teach him a few things. You debuted Prince Ayakeo at what, last week or the week before. He could have fucking faced Eddie Guerrero. I just don't understand how they, they they looked at the drawing board and were like, okay, right, well, we, we promoted Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. Rey Mysterio is now injured. Give him a big bubba. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, if you either don't, uh, either find a suitable replacement that could make a really, really good match or don't book a big match like fucking Raymond Studio versus Eddie Guerrero, which is going to get people's eyes on the fucking screen. Yeah. Or and, eyes on the ring if you're in the arena. You know, don't book those kind of matches if you can't follow through on them because mm-hmm. you've got something planned. You could have just put, you, you could have said this was Scotty Riggs versus fucking Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And that would have made this a little better, I suppose. Yeah. It just, yeah, made more sense. Real made shame. more sense to me. A real shame. Um, but again, Eddie's he's getting the win, and uh, obviously, I, I do like to think that because they're putting him against, you know, bigger people, that yeah. he's in, he's in line for a better push. You know, like that well, United that, States that, title match is coming up at Ogwald as well. Yeah, but that's where I, where my head is at. If he's like, don't put him, don't if, just. You, you should have just put him. Said he was against fucking Scotty Riggs or Marcus Bagwell or somebody else that got injured, you mm. know. Or Arn Anderson could have been the suitable fucking person to say this is who he was facing. If he's going into a feud with Rick Flair, Arn Anderson would have been the person to put him up against tonight. Yeah, that should have been the match. It would have taken. It wouldn't have taken like I don't know. It wouldn't have shined the fucking the turd that it was <laughs> this match. It wouldn't have shined the turd, but it would have shined the turd a little bit more if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. The third, the third one needs shining as much as is probably the correct term, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, next, we're going to see the uh, the very first of the NWO video promos. Uh, the music makes its debut here, as oh. does the logo. Uh, Hogan and Nash. Are you all right there, Brian? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hogan and Nash oh. pretty much ad lib, where it seems uh, Scott is being given some lines. Uh, lots of sound bites edited, edited together and lots of promo for Hogwild. Not bad. Not bad. Honestly. If we didn't know, we were headed into the 
the the creamy middle of the Oreo sandwich that is WCW. <laughs> this is just like a little snippet of that fucking cream right here. When I when when I saw uh, this is a paid announcement for the New World Order. The moment I saw that, I, my eyes were fixated on the screen. Yeah, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> this is something else I weren't expecting to be on this episode, actually. I no, neither did I. Yeah. When I saw this, I'm like. This was a paid announcement. This was a news announcement Eric Bischoff alluded to. Ah, NWO. Think of that. Yes, yeah. He announced that, saying there's a news. There's going to be, uh, you know, um, he, he did say there was some like there's going to be a news announcement following this match, and this is it. Eddie Guerrero, uh, Eddie Guerrero, uh, the New World Order paid for this during the Eddie Guerrero match, and this is the broadcast. Right. It was a pre. It's something they pre-recorded, and they got it onto. On the TV, yeah. By paying for it to be on TV, saying it's a news break, you know, it's a news flash. Yeah. Clever. I, is... I didn't even see it from that point of yes. view. I just, I was, I was taking, kind of taking stock of what this entire video promo had inside of it. <laughs> oh, hey, um, to write it down, but yeah, I, I completely missed that. Isn't it great that for the last, you know, for the last year that we've we've been doing this, we've we've complained so much about the fucking tired shite that Hulk Hogan has put out week in week out you know and it's not just him it's it's what's been booked as well right yeah we've complained about this fucking outdated shtick or shit whichever whichever fucking sh you want to use <laughs> I, I, i'm happy with either because they both work you know we've complained about this and we've complained about the backstage politics and hulk organ being a real life dickhead yeah how good is it that we can now actually enjoy hulk organ being a real life dickhead yeah because it's... this is his character now and <laughs> yeah. he plays right into it and i fucking love him right here <laughs> i never thought he, i'd hear you say that <laughs> he is so fucking cool I, mean, I, I feel I, I feel dirty just saying this, yeah, Mark. I, I do. I feel dirty for you, fucking hell. But he's so cool. Yeah. This is what makes the NWO the NWO. And I know it's going to go downhill from here. I know it is. And, and all oh, that, I wouldn't you say know. from here. <laughs> I mean, no, it goes downhill mean, from not, like... Not from, it does go downhill eventually, should yeah, I say. Yeah. Not from here. It's going to go uphill and it's going to go downhill. Yeah. You know, because it's going to get a little bit too much. But right now, in this moment, we can actually enjoy this. Yeah. Because... This is everything we complained about, and now he's playing into it as a heel. Mm -hmm. And you want to see him get beat, but there's also a little bit of you that's saying like, okay, this guy's cool now. This guy's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's the 90s. Sure, this is what we're all about now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're all about wearing black and white. It, 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 it is fucking Generation X. Mm. It's DX before DX. Yeah. Because fucking, you know, call spade a spade. DX is derivative of the NWO. Yeah. You know, this is what the the uh, the uh, Generation X is all about. Mm -hmm. It's grungy. And it's just, it, it's not mainstream. But it's so fucking cool. And I love everything about it. Yeah, yeah. The good thing about Organ's promos here as well is that they fit perfectly. And it's just such a surprise that they didn't yeah. think about doing this sooner. Because yeah. he fits into the role like a hand in the glove. It just... You and, and, and going back to the like grunge aesthetic, you could have put fucking Pearl Jam with Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and Nirvana over this, and it would work. Yeah, because of the aesthetic is just perfect. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's um, it's a good, it's an interesting one to watch. Certainly interesting. I did, I did think it dragged on a little bit too long, but it, it saved the show for me. Yeah, after everything that we've just seen, like it picked the show back up. Right, I see. 
But, but the main thing is it gets the promo over for the pay-per-view, and obviously yeah. uh, Hogan does say, oh my God, I almost forgot. I'm wrestling the giant at the pay-per-view. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, back ringside, we recap, recap the backstage incidents from earlier and play a replay. And then we're going to go into our WCW World of title match uh, main event, which is going to be the giant. Uh, well, I'm <laughs> fuck this shit. The Giant yeah. defeated Greg Valentine in 1 minute 42 <laughs> seconds. Big choke slam from the second turnbuckle was quite impressive. Poor Greg, but fair play for fucking taking that one. Post-match, Giants, <laughs> that's it. That's all you're getting, because there was nothing else. Was nothing else. And Greg yeah. Valentine should not be main event in WCW TV. Holy hell, he's out of shape. Post-match. Back to the bakery for you, Greg Valentine. Yes. <laughs> Post-match, Giant says, uh, listen real close, Hogan, to the camera. Uh, and now Gene's in, and there's a quick plug for Hogwild. Giant oh. imitates Hogan's promos, uh, and then says <laughs> Hogan conned America, but that he didn't believe it himself anyway. He says Hogan started his own organization because he can't be a big fish in WCW while the Giant has beat the best WCW has to offer. And we round this one up with Jimmy saying he lies so much that sometimes he believes his own lies, but then he says they'll take out Hogan at Hogwild. So are you lying? And we sign off with Ray into the trailer. We literally do. The last <laughs> thing you see on WCW Nitro is yeah, Ray in slow motion. Slow motion, well. slow motion into the trailer. Lone dart. Uh, yeah, it, it was so slow that I thought I was watching Big Bubba versus Eddie Guerrero again. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, right, you know, Hulk, uh, Hulk, uh, Big Show, he's always been good at his, like, imitations of other wrestlers. He has been really, he's always been really good about it, uh, real good at it. Mm. He even does the Hulk Hogan impersonation in 1999. He has, uh, 1999 is 2000, 2000 would have been. He has a match against Kurt Angle and he's dressed as Hulk Hogan in the match. I think I remember that. Yes. Uh, wearing, uh, he's, wear, he, he's just wearing yellow, yellow spandex and uh, yeah, yeah he fucking got a big banana in his fucking pants there, mate. <laughs> but um, honestly, though, his Hulk Hogan impression. It's so ham-fisted, but yeah, it's fucking brilliant at the same time. Mm. How is this guy a heel? I don't know. I, 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 in, in the storyline and what he's doing in his promos, how is he a heel? It's hard that to take question. him seriously as a heel. It just, it's yes, hard to he's, have he's him as one. He is the fucking baby face right now, mate. Yeah. He, he, he has his heel match. Okay, he wasn't really much a heel in this match, but he had fucking Jimmy Hart at ringside. Yeah. But then Jimmy cuts but, a face promo. Yeah, as well. Like, it's just... Find a direction with these guys and stick with it. You obviously don't want to bring uh, break, you know, you don't want to break the, the dungeon of doom up, but you can take Jimmy Hart and the giant away from them here. Yeah. Because I never really thought Jimmy Hart was a part of the dungeon. I always seen him as an extension of the dungeon, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like a ban- banner man. Yeah. You know. And you can, help. You, yeah, you can take him away and you can take the giants away from the dungeon here mm-hmm. and have them as their own unit, as a babyface unit. And it would fucking work. Yeah. I agree with that. This is the most, at this moment, this promo that Jimmy Hart cut is the most I've ever enjoyed that guy. Because he's a shoot fucking heel. He's a nice guy in, in real life. I've always heard everyone said that he's, 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 he is a nice guy. But <laughs> I say he's a shoot heel. But just his persona in wrestling is a heel persona no matter what you do with it. Yeah. He's so hateable. But here he's so, he's, he's likeable. And the giant just cutting these babyface promos just makes me want him. I'm like, kill him, or kill Hogan. As cool as Hogan was in those in 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 that uh, paid announcement, I want him to go and fucking kick his ass. Yeah. At Hogwild. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, rating. 
and raw results. Uh, it's going to be a 3.1 for Nitro, a 2.1 for raw, and the results on raw side, uh, Psycho Sid. So a resounding win for Nitro this week. A resounding win, yeah, definitely. Uh, Psycho Sid defeated Justin Bradshaw with Uncle Zebagaya. Uh, very disqualification. Oh, Dutch Mantel. Yeah. <laughs> every time. Every time. <laughs> every time I hear that name, you can tell I really like Dutch Mantel. <laughs> Uh, this happened via disqualification when Zebagaya hit Sid with a cowbell at 45 seconds. Needs <laughs> 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 more cowbell. <laughs> After the bout, Sid hit the power bomb on both right, men. Ser- seriously, like everyone goes on about the bloody, um, the, the pan against uh, not the actual pan, the the piss pan for, uh, against Vince McMahon's head yeah. in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine a cowbell cowbell hitting Sid? Oh, I need to go, hear it. Go, <laughs> man fucking hell brilliant uh, Vader defeated Mark Murrow with Sable uh, with a power slam as Murrow came off the top rope uh, David Boy Smith with Owen defeated Henry Godwin with Hillbilly Jim with the running power slam oh it's just a, this is just a running power slam raw then is it after uh, Henry became distracted by Owen at ringside Owen did guest commentary for this uh, for much of this match as well Oh. Steve Austin <laughs> defeated The Undertaker with Paul Bearer via counter after Mankind came ringside and Taker stalked him backstage. Uh, seriously, may you picked up when you said Owen Hart and commentary. Owen Hart, that must co- yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, that'd be pretty good to be fair. You need to, uh, you obviously need to go and look up uh, July. Sorry, is it July? Yeah, July 29th, 1996, yeah. WWF Raw. Uh, just for that match alone, really. Yeah. Happy days. And that is that's it from us. That's going to be us signing off for the uh, for the evening. And yeah, although you didn't ask me thoughts on the show, I think I get my thoughts all dinner. You did give some thoughts, but if there's any final thoughts you'd want to give, like Jerry Springer, yeah, uh, yeah this is my final thoughts. <laughs> In spite of myself, I can't say this is a bad show. <laughs> no, it weren't a great show, but I, I can't I can't say it was a terrible show either. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like because of what happened, it's a classic, and you. It it does gloss over a bit of this shit, you know. Yeah. It was, it was a good show for us. It weren't a good show for the people in attendance. That's a fair comment, I think, and that is uh, fair from all of us. We will sign off with that actually, and thank you very much for listening. And at Nitrogencast is where you can catch us, and nitrogencast.com is the website. Again, we apologise for this one going up late, but we will be back to your regular regular scheduled programming regular <laughs> yeah regular <laughs> I don't know what that what even that is uh, but it's like yes. <laughs> back to back to normal uh, ASAP uh, thank you again for listening in and following us and interacting with us on all the social media channels you can get the podcast on all the podcast networks that we know of and from me Marvelous Mark Ashworth and from my man Brian the Bradshaw over there we're just going to sign out and let you be because we've got another episode coming up soon for jumping move thing Gunny thing, but the memory remains. Ooh, yeah.